Getting honest with ourselves and taking ownership and responsibility for our actions is one of the hardest and most important parts of the recovery journey. Listen as we take a vulnerable dive into taking responsibility and taking action to make the changes necessary to live a full and healthy life. Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but it's also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Steve and Julie. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full, there's no space left for alcohol. If you haven't checked out our website lately at www.throughtheglassrecovery.com, go have a look. We've updated it and you can go there to find transcripts for every episode, guest bios, and you can also get information about our free Monday night Zoom recovery meetings. There are all kinds of links to get in touch with us as well. Again, it's www.throughtheglassrecovery.com. All right. So I get to party with the boys tonight. I think this might be the first time we've had all guys on the podcast. I think it is too. Yeah, this is super cool. So we are, as always, going to do introductions. I'm going to start with Robbie. Hello, I'm Robbie. I live in South Dakota, Rapid City. I'm quite new to this sober life. Today is day 93 for me. Excellent. I've, uh, stopped and i've never really quit for real reason or wanting to stop it's always like i'm just going to take a break but this time i realized i need to do it for good so here i am awesome we're really glad to have you and i will say robbie is also the host of the golden hours adventure podcast is that right that is right okay i'm gonna include a link for that and whatever other information and links for Robbie in the show notes as, as with everybody here. So make sure you check those out so you can get some more information about all these amazing guys. And next we're going to go with Jason. Hi, I'm, I'm Jason. I am from Merrimack, New Hampshire. I'm uh, 65 days into my sobriety at this point in time, or I should say into my recovery. I, well, I've had periods of sobriety in the past that have been even longer than this. This is the first time I've been what I would really call in full recovery or discovery mode. And just awesome to be here. Thank you. Thanks yeah, for being thank here, Thank you Jay. for being here. And last but certainly not least is Dave. Hey, how are you doing? I'm Dave. I'm just about a week away from seven months sober. And I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. Awesome. Awesome. So... And we met Dave on Instagram also. He shares some really amazing stuff. So I'm going to include that in the show notes as well. It is really cool to be hanging out with you guys tonight. Um, So I think one of the first things we have to do in recovery is get really, really honest with ourselves. It's probably the most important thing we do as we start navigating this journey and can also be one of the most difficult. For a lot of us, that starts with realizing that we need to start owning things we used to try to blame others for. So let's talk about it. What does taking responsibility look like for you? How has it affected your recovery? What's been hard about it? And how have you worked through it? Well, for me, realizing that I do have a problem that was taking first responsibility 
before I'd always just say, Oh, I can do this or that hard day at work. You know, my issue was cannabis. I use cannabis for half my adult life and I don't know how long ever though I was sober. You know, if I was a hard day at work, I'd jump in my car and before I got out of the parking lot, I was high. These days, cannabis is so easy to consume. Then I would never drink alone, but I did start finding myself drinking almost every night just because the cannabis wasn't enough for me. So realizing that I did have a problem and it was taking away from my life and my family and my daughter, that was my first step of uh, taking the responsibility. Yeah. And that is huge. That's the most important thing that any of us will do, I think, is actually owning that. Yeah, I really have a problem because when you're drinking and you're escaping and it's just it's it doesn't feel good. And you kind of try to avoid that. Right. Like you don't even want to admit it. You don't even want to think about life without it. So if you don't admit you have a problem, it's easier to to avoid that. It feels kind of gross, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're when you're living it, it's, you know, it's just the norm. You're not even thinking about it in that context. You know, it's just like, Oh, it's Monday night. I'm going to drink with my friends or, you know, but I agree with what Robbie said. The first part of getting honest with myself, you know, that first, I'm never going to forget that moment when I made the decision to go to rehab. I, I told my uh, 14 year old son, he was the first person I told, I was like, yeah, I've got to make a change. And after that I hit rehab and that's when the real honesty began, you know, that was like pulling back layers. But when I went into rehab, I told myself I was going to submerge myself in it and um, get everything I could out of it. So I really opened up and it was difficult for sure, but I got a lot out of it. I think I like the way when, uh, when Robbie first started talking about um, just having the first step of responsibility is taking or taking stock in, in the problem that you have. My, my problem, my, my, my certain, I guess you'd say brand of alcoholism is that I can drink in safety most of the time, you know, nine out of 10 times I can, I can have a drink and maybe, maybe two, but not need the next 15. And I just never know exactly when that switch is going to throw and the monster is going to come out. And so for a while, I thought to myself, you know, nine out of 10 times, I mean, in the majors, a 900 batting average earns you a lot of money. You know, that's, that's not a problem, right? Um, <laughs> what an analogy. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, when, when so much death, death, destruction and mayhem can, can occur on that one out of 10 times, it's, it, you have to come to terms with the fact that, yes, you do have a problem. For my, my, my responsibility, when I, when I think about taking responsibility outside of just that, it's, it has a lot to do with me understanding what the boundaries of responsibility really are. I was never somebody who blamed other people, but I would blame myself for all of my problems and all the all the problems of other people around me. I was a self-deprecator and a self-hater. And that would lead me to, you know, extraordinarily low senses of self-worth that would result in me just saying, F it, I'm just going to drink. Why not? Who cares? So a big piece of my journey is is understanding where those boundaries of responsibility begin and where they end. So I can really truly understand what I do need to truly be responsible for and what I can release and accept and let go. That's the uh, what's your part and what is and releasing what isn't your part and and then taking an action. I think there's action related in all of it when you do take that responsibility. It's Dave, when you said 
when I made the decision to go to rehab, right? That mm-hmm. was that was the your yeah. decision to take that action, and then and then the beautiful part was as you said, I like I'm I'm gonna do everything I can this time, and mm-hmm. that's the like the all in mentality, taking that responsibility that really has to come with it. Yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough to have a lot of people around me that have already been through the process of rehab. So I I had a lot of people I could reach out to and kind of knew what I was going into. And I kind of only wanted to do this thing once. It's not something I want to keep going back to rehab and repeating. You know, it's not like a fun process or anything <laughs> by any I, means. But so I wanted to get it right. I think sometimes to take responsibility, you have to remember where you came from. Because that's that was that moment. I know that's what I do. Is I remember that moment where I was like, "That was that's it." Like it's, I'm coming up on two years sober now, and as time passes, it can get easier and easier to try and to forget where I came from and what my motivation was then, and that's still my motivation today. Like I can go back and remember what my own version of that hell was like and say, "Mm -mm, nope, yep, this is exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. And this is exactly why I'm going to live in this and and push through this uncomfortable because I do not want to go backwards. Backwards doesn't sound like a really good option to me. Not anymore. So like taking responsibility, one of the things I thought of was apologizing i was a horrible a horrible apologizer mm-hmm. anything to deflect or so i could like maybe own just a little portion make it go away there was apology was to make it go away as fast as possible because jesus christ that was uncomfortable and then not own any part of it and then just carry on because time everyone's gonna forget it in time right like we'll be good if i just I say I'm sorry and you know cook a nice dinner or something or buy buy mm-hmm. something nice like that that doesn't do the trick. So mm-hmm. apology apologizing with an action was something that I learned to do and apologizing with intention. If yeah. I apologize now I, I I set rules for myself. I apologize now and it is uh, I think Julie can attest for this when I apologize now, I mean it. And, and there is an action that is going to come from it and an intention to either improve or do something or work through it or whatever that may be. It doesn't have to be immediate, but it definitely means a lot to me now more than it ever has. Yeah. I feel like in, in past, in the past, I've, uh, I came off uh, about a year of sobriety uh, a few years back. And it was really all I did was stop drinking. And we've, we've heard these stories before in sobriety, but you know, when somebody is either a dry drunk or, or, you know, what I, what I was, I like to say that I took responsibility this time, but I was kind of left with no choice. My sobriety began um, or was, was triggered by a long period of time of, of poorly managed mental health, which resulted in a suicide attempt for me. You know, I, I hit rock bottom hard really, really hard. And not only was I responsible for ensuring that alcohol was no longer 
part of my life, but even more importantly for my particular acute situation was to ensure that I was taking responsibility and managing my mental health and just general emotional well-being. So I've been through a lot of psychological rehab and continuing intense intensive counseling to make sure that you know I'm landing on my you know my my own two feet if you want to say I'm able to process I'm able to operate in a way that's not escapist when it comes to emotions because that's the kind of thing that leads to anxiety it leads to all sorts of resentment which inevitably triggers drinking in a lot of us including myself yeah i think that you talk about like psychological rehab psychological recovery like the mental health part of recovery absolutely has to go hand in hand with just not drinking and that's something i had a really similar experience i had over a year sober and i was just not drinking which resulted in a really ugly re- relapse and starting over from scratch. I wanted to go back to something you talked about a little bit ago, Jason, and that was taking responsibility for like everything or not being able to figure out what is, for me, it was, I couldn't figure out what was my responsibility and what wasn't my responsibility. So sometimes I would take on way too much of something. And then other times I wouldn't own something at all that really I needed to be handling. And a lot of figuring that out has just been that process of recovery and figuring you know, there's so much to learn, I guess, in recovery, digging into everything, getting really honest with yourself. I know for me, like parenting, if anything went wrong with the kids, if they were acting out, if in some way I felt like I had failed as a parent, you know, I would take that all on. It would be, I am failing as a parent. I would never give my husband 50% of that responsibility, even though, you know, he's their parent too. I would just take it all on. And then it would be like, I'm failing. I'm a failure. I can't get anything right. And I would like internalize all of that and then would just hate myself for it. Looks like Jason agrees with that. But then there was, there was other stuff that like, like if I yelled at my children, that was absolutely my fault, but I would like blame them for it. Like they behaved in this way and it made me yell at them. Yeah. And I would even, it was, I was most parts, most of the time I was a pretty good mom, but like, if I didn't want to own that, I had just really screwed up as a parent. I would absolutely try to convince my children. It was their fault that I was yelling at them. That's really messed up. And it's really sad. And it was all shame-based and like that perfectionist thing and whatever. I just didn't want to admit that I had failed. Um, and that went all the way to drinking where I never took responsibility for the fact that I drank. It was so-and-so made me drink. Well, my my kid acted out and made the day really stressful and they made me drink. Or I got into it with my husband and he made me drink. I never owned that. I decided to drink because I don't know how to handle my shit. <laughs> and that was that was really important that I started just owning that alone. But yeah, it can be really hard to figure out what's yours and what's not yours and let the stuff go that you need to let go and that there's a balance in there that takes some time to figure out. Yeah, I feel like for me, kind of like you were saying, Julie, I would have those moments where I would get into it with somebody and that would be my excuse to drink. But I think also I'd go a step further and like antagonize the situation to give me that excuse, you know, like I'm going to I'm going to start this argument. And then I'm going to blame the argument on the person I started it with. And then I'm going to be like, 
oh, well, we're in an argument, so I'm going to drink. You know, like, it wasn't my fault. And I I also think that when we're drinking, we give, we give ourselves this false, like, get out of jail free card. So like you were saying, Steve, the next day you wake up, you just have to say sorry. I mean, I was drunk. That's not, you know, wasn't my fault. I was drinking the night before. That's not, you know, in hindsight, it's not a pass in the moment. I think it was this false sense of security to me to think I had a pass the next day. Most recently for me, I was a certain group of friends that I'd hang around. I had to drink to be around them, which was quite interesting because I didn't like being sober around them. They were, they would all drink. Then if I was sober or if I consumed some cannabis, uh, it, it always made things easier. Then it became a, well, if we're going to be with these people, I have to drink, which um, that was the first time in my life that being around a certain set of people, I had to drink younger in my life. I always drank for fun. Then that's when I really started realizing this is a problem. If I got to be drunk to be around these people now, you know, I'm sober. I don't associate with those people anymore because I come to find out I wanted to hang out with them in the first place besides drinking. Mm -hmm. Interesting how that happens where you just realize you're like, wow, okay, this is part of the things that I'm doing wrong. And some of that is the people that you surround yourself with, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things I was thinking about it and my sense of what right and wrong was so twisted that I don't think I would be here where I am right now if I didn't have a group of people in recovery to talk to. Because... The ability, there's the, I mean, I I have to get honest with myself, but I also, to take responsibility, for me anyways, I had to share it with someone else. I had to, it, it, it had to leave my mind and I had to set it free to make it real. And then I had to face that with a group of people that understood. And I got really lucky. I was, I was with a group of people that were really, really amazing and I got to show my scars and have it returned back to me, realizing when I'm sharing these these things that they're hurtful. They hurt. They they hurt me. I'm not hurting anybody else. Not in the in recovery. We get it, yeah. Dave. That you were talking about before, but mm-hmm. that twisted sense of reality becomes even more noticeable when I say the words then it's really cringy when some of the things you know the drinking and driving and ditching the truck and 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 then lying about it and you know all of those things that i was so ashamed of you know throwing a full bottle at the window because i thought it was open and i thought it was an empty one because i was so drunk and then just breaking the passenger window because that's what i did was i just threw them out the window mm-hmm. there's there's a litany of stuff that you know was stuck inside of here and as soon as i got to share it and as soon as it 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 left i took responsibility for it i had to share it i had to give it i had to put it in a place that was safe and that's where the shame goes away too yeah. you start 
sharing those things that were super cringy and those things that you were carrying around inside of you that you really didn't like that stuff. If you don't start owning things and saying stuff out loud, that shame will eat at you and it will Mm -hmm. just weigh you down. And, you know, you'll replay those situations that you don't want to talk about over and over again and make yourself crazy and make yourself miserable and feel terrible, terrible about yourself until you start talking about it. And I think that just lifts the shame so much and, and helps you kind of move forward from it because you have to own it, but then you also have to move forward from it. You, once you do own it, you get to make amends or apologize or make changes and then move forward. And I think that's the really important part of, of owning and taking responsibility for stuff. There's a responsibility to be true to yourself, and that includes a, a certain regimen of self-care. And that part of that self-care is to, at least I've noticed from my own experience, that if I'm feeling spun up about something, guilty about something, happy about something, sad about something, the idea of sharing that ha- has just become part of my daily routine. And I had a wonderful therapist one time tell me, it was it was something that really clicked in my head that she she said to me, for years, it seems like you've been that you've been the destination for your emotions. And you can't be, you need to be a rest stop for them. Like you need to be a highway for your own emotions, meaning that when they, you know, you can take them in, you can process them, and you can get rid of them. And, you know, as as Steve was talking about his, um, you know, sharing these stories and sharing your experiences and your your ups and your downs with other trusted, deep connections that you have. um, Those stories are, you know, somewhat analogous to that wedding, the the, uh, the the just married convertible taking off and all those emotions are the cans kind of dangling behind with, with them as you tell the stories and they're all they're they're all just leaving your body and the, the weight off your shoulders, at least from my own experience, is astounding because for years and years I was just bottling everything. Every time to Julie's point, my children ex- had a, had a negative experience in life. It was my fault. Every time something wrong happened at work, it was my fault. Everything was everything was on top of my my shoulders. I couldn't do anything right, and um, it would drive me to drink for a variety of reasons: for frustration, for self punishment, whatever it might be. So, I, and I never shared anything ever. So, that idea of sharing your truth outwardly with others in a vulnerable, emotionally naked kind of a way is a regimen of self-care that at least speaking for myself, I'm responsible for. Even if I don't want to share, I need to share because it needs to come out. So you said something there that is really important. Once you share something, you get other people's perspective. Mm -hmm. And somebody else can say, hey, wait, you're taking on too much here. And I have needed that. That's been a huge part of this for me. If I'm taking on all of this responsibility for something and I tell somebody, then they can say, okay, wait, let's let's take a step back here. What part of that is really yours? And I think some some of us have learned how to do that for one another, but I really needed somebody to tell me. And, and I wouldn't talk about it for so long, especially like the kids thing, because I had this idea in my head, I had to be the perfect mom. And so I would just internalize all of that responsibility and all of that shame and never talk about it because God forbid anybody know what a terrible parent I was. But as soon as I did tell somebody, then they could be like, wait, but you're really not a terrible parent. Like most of what you're taking on isn't your responsibility. The fact that somebody, some other kid was mean to your kid 
isn't your fault, you know, and that, that perspective from the outside is so valuable. Yeah. There's a quote and this comes with sharing these things and getting that perspective. When you share your happiness, it gets doubled. And when you share your worries or your sadness, it gets halved. And that is one of the most amazing things about sharing all of that hard stuff. So there's a good chance that, uh, especially in our recovery community, even outside of that, you might not be able to relate to the circumstance or the situation, but generally speaking, you can relate to the emotion. That's the one thing I'm struggling quite a bit with is, you know, dealing with my emotions before just use then Of course, those emotions would go away. You could make everything better, but now having to deal with these emotions, it's like a roller coaster. You know, one second you're happy, one second you're mad, one second you're sad. Um, sharing them, uh, I'm going to this journey with my sister too as well. And we came to a little pack and we text each other every day, you know, what we're going through. And that's been a huge help for me because there's been a lot of times where I've like said something and she's like, from the other side, as you were saying, Julie, I'm like, whoa, I, you know, she's like, no, this is a good thing. You're doing the right thing. Then, you know, vice versa. She thinks she's, you know, bad parent some days. And I'm like, you got two awesome kids. You got a teenager just testing you. All parents so, feel like bad parents when they have teenagers, just for the record. <laughs> Make sure yeah. she knows that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. My daughter's 12 going on 16, yeah. so <laughs> I'm just learning that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the the emotions is uh, something I struggle with every single day, and I'm not going to lie. It's probably almost every second of the day um, because I just use to get rid of those and having to deal with those. It's, uh, it's quite interesting. You're early on, too. You said you're around 60 days. Oh, 90 days. 90 and days, yeah. it is still such a roller coaster there. You're mm -hmm. so used to drowning every emotion that every emotion feels massive still. And I think just the more time you you get in recovery the more you get used to feeling those things and they don't feel like they're taking over your whole life anymore. I mean, there's a lot of practice working through them too, but that first three to six months, it is just a roller coaster and you just have to hold on. I think that's a big part of where you're at right now. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of times people think it's just not using or not drinking and it's like, Oh, okay. Like you're cool now, but you're retraining your brain how to process all these emotions that you've masked with whatever substance it was that was yours. So when something comes up, you're, you're learning in the moment in real time, like, Oh, wow. How do I process this? How do I navigate through it? You know, when really you want to just drink to get through it. It's, it's almost like it was like a level of sensitivity. So if I'm going to try and explain it from my own aspect is is i've everything was big even though it was small because i didn't know i i had drowned it out for so long it was basically like living and having a sunburn so you would touch it and it would hurt 
or or if it was joyful it was it was really freaking joyful because i didn't like there was no middle ground i would just like you were saying flop from one side to the other and i'm i mean i was like a baby a lot of the times because that's how i would react i would react much like a kid like if you took my sucker i would be really really pissed and then mm-hmm. if if you gave me one i was super excited like if you give me one now i'm like oh wow wow this is pretty cool thank you not to the those extreme levels but i like i i so get it because everything mm. is raw it's raw it's coming in raw and it's leaving raw because you're like, whoa, what do I do with this now? Mm-hmm. And at least you get the colorfulness of it all. That's the way I like to look at it is you, you, you're giving yourself the chance of living life in color because there's so many emotions that you get to experience now that you numbed away, that you took away from yourself. So now you get to experience the joy and you get to experience the sadness and you get to experience everything in between. And that's part of the beauty of it all. Mm -hmm. And two, I mean, I'm in a group of a bunch of guys here and guys in general are just expected to not show their emotions and not feel their emotions and stuff. And you guys are lucky because you're in recovery and you get to have these conversations and realize emotions are okay. And emotions really are what make life life. If you go through life, not feeling anything, you're missing out on all of it. So in a way you guys are, are lucky that you get to start letting yourselves feel stuff, even if it's uncomfortable sometimes. That's the key to it right there is the, is the fact it's the, I think a lot of it has to do with managing my own expectations because some of it's going to suck. And I've never been able to, I've never put myself in a position where I was saying to where I would say to myself, you know, this, this experience is, is going to be rough. It's going to be painful, or this day is going to be really hard or be comfortable sitting down just saying, wow, did I get my ass kicked today? But it's nothing more than that. It's just those, those things. And, and to, to, um, I, I, I agree with, um, with what Robbie said, where, you know, this, you know, pro- processing emotions every day is a really difficult thing. I, I, I have to constantly write things down and keep my thoughts somewhere, somewhere expressed. I, 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 I journal like it's uh, like, like it's a sugar addiction, you know, all, all, th- all throughout the day because it keeps me, it keeps everything in perspective. I can kind of read and see what, what in the world's going on in my head right there in front of me. And, I've, you know, to, to Steve's point about the, the sun, it's like, it's like, I've, it's like I'm experiencing, experiencing sunlight for the first time. It burns. My skin's never been exposed to this kind of thing before. What do I do? But it's actually, you know, it's, it's, um, it's very interesting once, as I've realized that sitting with the negativity sometimes is actually okay, as long as you don't. So somewhere in there, there was a point I was trying to round to, and I've, I've lost it a bit, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember you know, coming back from rehab, I had my, my handy dandy notebook that had all the answers in it, right? Like I'm going back into the real world and I got this notebook. I took notes. I'm good to go. And let me tell you, the notebook doesn't really help when life starts punching you in the face. Like you don't, you can't turn the tab and be like, oh, there's the answer. It wasn't quite as easy as a transition as I thought it was going to be. It took a lot of work. And to Julie's point, yeah, like 90, 90 days was really hard to get to. 
I thought doing 30 and rehab was going to be the, uh, the pill that made it a lot easier, you know, and it wasn't. So it was a lot of learning in the moment and keeping myself uh, in check and allowing myself to feel the emotions and allowing myself to make mistakes, but also learning from them is important, you know. I think the neat thing here is we're all talking about emotions and what they are. And in this conversation, what we're doing is taking responsibility for it. Every single one, every single one of us has has our own way of taking responsibility for it. Whether it's 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 journaling those thoughts, or Robbie, it's texting your your sister. Like it's it's just like example, example after example of taking responsibility for those emotions and 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 what you're gonna do with it. It's just really neat to see where this went. Yeah. And taking responsibility and saying sorry is one of the harder ones to learn when you um, are going through this process because sorry looks a lot different than waking up the next day like we were saying before and just saying sorry. You know, I think a true sorry is checking in with someone's emotions. How did you make them feel in the moment that something happened? I think that's really important to hear that. And also, can you take it if they don't accept their your apology? You know, that has to be okay, too. We actually just recorded an episode on forgiveness a couple weeks ago, and that came up a lot. Mm -hmm. But yeah, sorry looks different. For me, sorry used to be, I'm going to say sorry so we can just move on and I don't have to deal with, with all of this. Sorry now is actually understanding how that person felt and intentionally making changes, like Steve said earlier. It is, it's just completely different. And it before, it, sorry would, would make me feel better and then I could move on. And now sorry is kind of uncomfortable. Sorry mm-hmm. is saying, I recognize that I did something really crappy here yeah. and I would really appreciate it if you would forgive me. And it does not feel good and it does not feel like brushing it under the rug anymore. Yeah, I think that action that comes with it that both you and Steve have talked about is so important because otherwise it's just a word. I abused it for so long, even even to myself, like even apologizing to myself because of the twisted sense of reality. It's it, it never meant anything. So now that I've given it meaning, kind of like what Julie said, it stings now when I have to say sorry. I don't like it at all, but it's also necessary. And now when I apologize, I understand it's room to grow not a failure no and it used to really suck but now it's like it's i get to learn something new about me and who i'm apologizing to because i get to learn about where they're from where they're coming from their perspective how they see the world so i mean really in the end it's an opportunity for connection is what an apology is it's not something i go and try and do for fun because i want connection but <laughs> but that's this what actually it. reminds me of something that i read in atlas of the heart by Brene brown i think we talk about her on every episode but she talked about how there a disconnect in a relationship is normal owing somebody an apology in a relationship is normal but so often we fail to see that opportunity to reconnect and we just don't. And then that just drives the relationship further apart. And any opportunity to apologize and reconnect makes the relationship stronger. 
we just avoid that uncomfortable feeling and create a greater sense of disconnect. And if we do that over and over again, the relationship really suffers. If we just come in and apologize and then reconnect, the relationship gets stronger. And I thought that was a really cool point that she made. Like, it's okay to have disagreements. It's okay to fight. It's okay to do something and hurt somebody's feelings. I mean, it's not okay, but but it can be made okay. And it can be make that relationship stronger if we just take that opportunity to do that and face that discomfort. I found that in the last couple of months, um, the, there's been a half a dozen or so times where I've, I've found I found myself wanting to wanting to and and followed through with taking responsibility for my actions in a proactive way in the form of an apology where I did where the person didn't seem like they were outwardly bothered or hurt by what I said but I did feel like I did them a disservice by not being my best self in a certain moment like you know being being uh, judgmental of somebody when I shouldn't have been or whatever the case is and I found that by outing myself proactively with somebody it does a great job of uh, and, and these are this is all very experimental for me these are things that i've heard work right but uh, why why the hell would you ever do that when you can just you know turn turn a blind eye and and just you know just avoid the situation but you know there was a time where i was in a, a group therapy program and the circumstances don't really matter but i i went over to somebody afterwards and i just let them know that you know, I was just, I, even what I was thinking, I was just thinking very judgmentally of them initially and that I, that, that I respected them and appreciated their, their insight and feedback and they, that they had taught me something in that moment. And the person had no idea, but was really appreciative of the apology and the compliment for, for the added perspective where I would never have done that before. I just would have kept quiet and gone about my business, but it does, the, the apology, pro, the, the, the apology process certainly does uh, strengthen relationships and deepen connections. Yeah, for sure. For me, I'm, I'm so stubborn that sometimes getting out of my own way and saying, sorry, feels like defeat, you know, like, oh, I've lost this argument. If I take responsibility for my actions then I've I'm throwing in the towel. I give up. And that is something I, I currently work on and struggle with. I'm so bullheaded a lot of the times that I have to actively tell myself to get out of my own way. And it's okay to be sorry. And it's okay to take responsibility for my actions. For me, I don't, um, I, uh, I don't know if I'm pretty hard on myself. So uh, it's just me. I've been single for quite a few years. So I don't think I've, um, you know, had to, telling you when I'm sorry, because it was all, you know, myself doing it to myself. But for me, I would never, I wouldn't tell myself, sorry, it'd be just like, just don't do that again. Mm-hmm. But hearing all the sorry talk makes me uh, think I need to dig deep down inside and find out, you know, who I should tell I'm sorry for. I, I'm sure I've done some things to some people and didn't realize it, but I think I need to tell myself I'm sorry. It's a good place to start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's a really healing place right there. Mm-hmm. So tonight we talked about taking responsibility, apologizing with an action. When I made a decision, Dave, that was really, really great. That's really taking ownership. Responsibility is a decision you make. Talking with others in recovery helps us see the difference and the right and wrong and get a, getting that perspective 
be a rest stop for your emotions. I thought that was really good, Jay. Just being a rest stop, there's no reason putting it in the backpack and carrying along with it. We can drop it off. It's only temporary. We can move on from them. And I think a really big one out of this whole episode was taking responsibility is a practice. It's something we practice on a daily basis. And you guys all shared really excellent examples of that. So I want to thank you, Robbie. Thank you, Dave. And thank you, Jason, for being on the podcast tonight. Really appreciate your time and your thoughts. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, we're Thanks for the opportunity. Awesome. Thanks so much to our listeners for sharing your time with us today. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and would love to hear your thoughts. You can find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and TikTok. Come drop us a line anytime. And be sure to check back next week when we talk about how we've learned to deal with anxiety in recovery.